Father, we thank you as we listen to your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we will draw encouragement from it. We thank you, Father, that we'll also draw direction from it. And Holy Spirit, we believe that you will empower us, not just to listen to your word, but also, Lord, to see your word just be outworked in our lives. That is our desire. That is your desire. We thank you, Lord, that you have called each one of us to be a part of this family. Lord, we thank you that you've called each one of us to take your gospel into this world, to reach people, to make whole people as you made people whole. Lord, we thank you. What a wonderful, wonderful job you've given each one of us to be a blessing to others as you have blessed us. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout before we sit down. Amen. And then you may be seated. Well, it is wonderful, you know, just to see what Jesus is doing and see how he's directing us. And it's, you know, just to hear just testimonies like, like Tony gave this morning. It's just, I, I get so encouraged by that. Because, you know, I, I really do truly believe that what we heard from Tony's heart this morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit in different ways is going to enable all of us to walk in such a way. He really is. And uh, we're not all going to be like Tony. We're, we're, we're going to be, you know, unique to ourselves. And, and God is going to use each and every one of us in different ways. But I want to encourage you by saying this, that the story of your life and your testimony is very powerful. And Jesus will use it. You know, Tony's testimony is unique to him. But, but your testimony is unique to you. And your journey with Jesus, the walk that he's taken you on, is very relevant for the people that he will bring your way. It really is. So be blessed, be expectant. And as we've been saying over the weeks, there's invitations all around us. There's people all around us that are drawing upon us, that, that are wanting us in their lives to be involved because Jesus lives inside us. You know, I was on... Um, I was on Lower Dock Street earlier this week, and um, I was about to just get in the van, in the Jesus Cares van, to go down to uh, the box manufacturers to, to collect thousands of boxes. They phoned me up the night before, and uh, they said that uh, they, they needed me in. And um, I was about to do that, and a gentleman just was walking down the street, and he, he looked into the warehouse where we where we, where we do our work for Jesus Cares. And I saw him looking in, and I said to him, I said, oh, sir, can I help you? Would you, would you like to look around? Would you, can I show you around the warehouse? Do you know what we do? Uh, we, he said, no. He said, I, I'm, I'm not sure what you do. I said, well, you know, we, we make lots of food hampers out, and we, uh, we deliver them out to various agencies around South Wales. I said, if, if you'd like me to show you what we do, I said, I'm more than happy to do that. He was, he was a gentleman in his 70s. And he said, oh, no, no, you're fine. He said, I, I don't want to see. He said, I was just looking in. I said, oh, that's fine. And then he looked at the name on the van. And uh, I could see him smiling. And he said, oh, I'm glad you've got that name on your van. You know, we've got a big Jesus Cares uh, 
sort of sort of sign on 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 both sides of the van and he said he said I'm so glad you got that sign on on your van he said I like I like the fact that you've got Jesus on your van I said yeah I said that's great isn't it sir I said it's great it really is I said so I said sir I said can I give you a box of cakes I said I've got some cakes on the van and I was taking these cakes and a load of bread to uh, one of the guys in, in warehousing, one of the warehouses that we use uh, over by Sainsbury's. But I had a spare box. I said, sir, can I give you a box of cakes? And I'm saying all of this because I just want you to see how the Holy Spirit leads us. It's not straightforward. He maneuvers people in strange ways. He brings people to people in, in extraordinary ways, and he sets up things in ways that, that are not conventional to your mind. And I want you to be open to it. I want you to expect it, because it's going to start coming your way. And it may already have come your way. But this is the season that we are in, in this city, and in fact, all over this land. This is the season that the church is in. So, he said, no, he said, I don't want a box of cakes. I said, oh, okay. And then Alex came out, of the, came out of the warehouse. And I shouted over to Alex. I said, hey, Alex, all right? Suddenly the guy grabbed my, heart, my arm. And he said, I mean, with, with such seriousness in his eyes, an urgency in his voice. He said, that name means so much to me. The name Alex. I said, sir. And then Alex comes over. I said, sir, what do you mean? And then suddenly the guy just breaks down. Completely just overwhelmed in sorrow and emotion and tears. He said, that, that name Alex means so much to me. He said, Alex was my son. And he said, I lost him. When, when he was in a motorbike accident. And he started to cry uncontrollably on the street by the van. And Alex came round and Peter came round. And the three of us started to minister to this man. And we started to say to him, listen sir, this is not a, this is not a coincidence. This is not, our meeting today is not by chance. Jesus has orchestrated this. Do you know, the, the only thing that that man wanted, he didn't want, you know, some kind of magical touch. I couldn't take away his grief. I couldn't change what had happened to him in the past. But I could lend him my ear. I could listen to him and get involved in, in what he was inviting me to get involved in. And Alex did too, and Peter did too, and we just encouraged that man, and we prayed for that man, and suddenly he wiped his eyes, and he said, I'm coming to pack boxes on Tuesday. I said, sir, I said, sir, it would be such an honor for us to have you with us. It would be such an honor for us to be involved in your life. If we can help you in any way that we can, we will, sir. And you will help us, I'm sure. And suddenly, he went on his way, and we went on our way. You see, there's invitations around all of us. 
that are pulling us in, that, that are drawing us in, because there's an aroma that's being diffused from your life as a result of Jesus being at the center of your life, in your heart. There is an aroma that's being diffused all the time, 24-7, and people are attracted to that. Jesus one day put it like this, you know, you can't hide a city on a hill. You can't hide the light that comes from that city. Everybody around it sees and is drawn to that light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and the light of the world lives in us, And then he went on further in his explanation of that in saying to the disciples, you're the light of the world too, because I live in you. And there's a light that's given off from you. And you might not be able to see it physically and you might not be able to get your mind around it. But don't be surprised when people get drawn to you. Don't don't be surprised when people come up to you and suddenly... You're you're on a journey with them and you're going into past pain, you're going into past hurts, you're going into situations that seem far beyond your ability to answer. But I've said to you, and the Bible assures you this, there will be a corresponding anointing. There will be a corresponding power to heal every hurt, to deliver every problem and to get people through and to bring them into the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. That's the God that we serve. That's the one that lives on the inside of each one of us. Now this morning, I want to read to you from Luke chapter 5. And um, we're going to read just from verse 12 through to verse 14. And here we're going to see Jesus meeting a man. Jesus getting an invitation into a man's life that's quite amazing, quite unique. In many ways, it's horrendous. But Jesus is the one that is very different from any other. He's willing to get involved in any situation, whether it be horrendous, whether it be impossible, whether it be completely off the chart. Jesus is willing to go where nobody else goes. And this is what he did on this occasion. It says, and it happened... When he was in a certain city that behold a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he he charged him to tell no one but to go and show himself to the priest and make an offering for his cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Oh, I tell you something now, I get so encouraged when I read the Bible. I get so lifted up when I read the Bible. But I tell you something now, we are living in days, we are living in times where we are not just going to read the Bible. Yes, it's vitally important to read the Bible. Yes, it is vitally important to meditate on the, on the Word of God. It's important to fill ourselves. Let the Word of Christ 
Paul said, dwell within you richly. But we are living in times where we will not just open the book, close the book, hand the book back, put it on the shelf. We will be living the book. We will be seeing the book. We will be administering the book to others. And we will see the kingdom of God and the power of his glory come through our very own lives. Like they did and like he did. Jesus turns up in this man's life, and it is a hopeless situation. There is only one that can bring hope into a hopeless situation. There is only one that can move a mountain that seems impossible, that's become a tremendous obstacle, that's removed all hope, that's removed all all um, order of future. There's only one and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the only one that can take away the pain of people's hearts. Jesus is the only one that can heal people's broken bodies. Jesus is the only one that can, that can give people sanity in their deranged minds. Jesus. It is only him. He is the only one. And I'm telling you now, we are going to see him work with us every moment of every day on an, on an unprecedented scale. Do you know, we were in um, Centre Parks a few weeks ago, just relaxing there, and uh, I woke up one morning, 6, 6 a.m. in the morning, and the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me. He said, God has a vision for his church. He says his vision for the church is everyone that's in the world. And then he he followed it by saying this. He said, God also has a vision for the world to meet everyone he's changed in his church. And when the world meets the church and when the church meets the world, it is and it will be a beautiful experience. Why? Because on, on, on the church meet in the world and, and the world meet in the church, they, they become mutually fulfilled. You see, the church needs the world. You need the world. And the world needs you. God's designed it that way. He really has. You know, I was thinking about that, that song that we sing. And I don't want to, you know, get down on the songwriters. But, but, you know, we've sung the song here many times. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Now, you know, I know what they're saying, right? The world behind us in the sense of we're not going to sin possibly in the way that we used to sin, right? I understand that. But let me tell you now, Jesus never wants the world to be behind any one of us. He really doesn't. Jesus went into his world. Jesus stood up in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4 and he outlaid his vision before all. When he said, I've come for the poor, I've come for the brokenhearted, I've come for the captive, I've come for the, for the oppressed. The world wasn't behind him. He wasn't going to separate him, himself from the world. He was telling them very directly he was going straight forward into his world. He said to his disciples, go into the world. He didn't tell them that the world was going to be behind them. 
He said, get in there, boys. I've given you the power. I've given you authority. All authority and power has been handed to me in heaven and in earth. Now get out there, boys. Get into every corner of the world. Get into every culture. Get into every nation. It doesn't matter what religious label they've got over them, whether it be, you know, atheist whether it be all of the other varying religions that are out there, don't fear it. Get out there. Immerse yourself in the world. Because the very same spirit that was in Christ is in us. And as he needed his world, you need your world. You really do. There's an aching need within you. Now that need may have been suppressed by the things of this world. That need that, 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 has been, that, that, that is in you, that is going off in you, may be suppressed and dulled by all of the things that, that the enemy tries to distract us with. But I'm telling you now, the Holy Spirit within you is going to remove all of the things that may have been piled up over that aching need. And suddenly again, the church of Jesus Christ is going to become a mighty threshing instrument in his hand and there's going to be a huge harvest because the Holy Ghost is not going to be dependent on one person on a platform. The Holy Spirit is going to energize his body, his people and again that aching need is going to drive you and me to the people that are out there in our world. The world is not going to be behind us. The world is going to be before us because that's where Christ leads us as we carry our cross and we follow him. He doesn't lead you away from the world as you can. He said, take up your cross, follow me. Where does he lead you, friend? He leads you straight into the world that we, he went into. He leads you straight back into the world that you came from so that you can carry the cross, present the cross that you carry as as, as he is presented on that cross, we see him as Savior, Lord, the reigning one, the King. He doesn't lead us away from the world. He leads us into it. Hallelujah. We're not afraid of the world. We're not afraid of any devil or any demon that would seek to oppose it. Not because we stand on our own strength, but we humbly cry out to God when there's any kind of opposition, when there's any kind of resistance. That's our greatest moment, our greatest time, our greatest hour to see him move. It really is. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Jesus needed his world. And that's what he was doing when he spoke in Luke chapter 4. He was declaring his need. He was declaring his aching, burning need of heart to get to those that were beyond the walls that he was in, that he'd grown up in, that they had grown accustomed to, that they were, that, that they were bound under. He said, I've come for the poor. My need is to meet the poor. And that need will be quenched. I will quench my need when I meet the poor and I deliver good news to them. Not information in head, but revelation deep in the heart that has life-changing effects. I will meet my need when I meet the poor and I deliver good news to them. Good news, not bad news. Not you haven't fulfilled God's law and you've been under a curse for 400 years. And, you're, you know, God, God thinks that you're a bit of slime under his foot. No, good news. Good news. 
The good news of the gospel of his grace. I need the brokenhearted. Where are the brokenhearted? There's none in this synagogue in Nazareth. I've got to get out there. The captive, the oppressed. I need them. I need them. Where are they? Jesus had needs. Jesus had needs. And that need was to serve people. He said, I've not come to be served. My need is not to have people serve me. My need is not to have my attention met. My need is to serve you. My need is to, is to help you. My need is to assist you. My need is to get you from where you are today and to tenderly take you up as a bruised reed, as, as a smoldering wick and see you live again. That's my need, he said. My need is to get to every prisoner, to get to everybody under the heel of the aggressor and set them free. That's what his need was. I've come to serve you. My need is not to go to the healthy. My need is to go to the sickest of the sick. The healthy don't need a doctor. The healthy don't need a savior. The sickest of the sick, they need my saving power. I love what John Wesley used to say when he used to go into cities. He used to ask, where was the darkest place in the city? And he would start, look at Chris smiling by there. Come on, Jesus, I'm telling you now, he's all over this building this morning. Woo! Energize us, Holy Ghost, to do your will. While we live, we don't know. Lord, when we will leave this earth, And our job and our work for you will be over. But Lord, we pray. Oh God, as the clock ticks on our lives, we pray, Father, that we will redeem the time for the days are evil. And we would see the clock ticking. And we would, Lord, put our hand to the plow and not turn back. In Jesus' name we pray. He would go to the darkest place, the darkest corners of the city. And they would ask him, why are you choosing the darkest places? And he'd say, very simply, well, when you choose the darkest place, it's where the light burns brightest. It's where the light burns brightest. We're not afraid of the darkness. We're not afraid of the horrific things that people are under. We're going to go to them. We're going to set them free. We're going to give them words of encouragement and words of healing. And that's how it'll start. That's how it'll start. And then it'll get so much in your being that you make such a strong, aggressive demand on God. You say, God, I want your anointing because this person cannot go on like this. And suddenly God will hear the cry of your heart for the cry of another. And suddenly you will see available to you a power and an anointing that you have only ever read about and dreamt about. Because that's how it comes. Jesus, the Bible says, was moved with compassion. You can't learn that in a synagogue or in a class. You, you, you see that and experience that as you are faced face to face with horrific situations. Horrific need. And suddenly when you're overwhelmed with that horrific need and situation, suddenly there's a, a, a compassion that awakens inside you that is very aggressive, that will, that will make demands on the anointing and the Spirit of God that will not turn back. 
and that will say, God, you do it. You do it now. And that's, that's the passion that Jesus had as he walked down the highways and the byways of life. So strong. So energized. Jesus had need. He had needs. The Bible's clear about this. He said to his disciples one day, as they were passing Samaria, he said, I must need, I must need go through Samaria. See, he had needs. He had needs to get to people. He felt the draw and the ache of people who may have been miles away. He crossed the sea once to find a man that was living in a cemetery. Why? Because there was an unseen, invisible cry that drew him, pulled him, demanded and commanded him to leave where he was, the many thousands of people, and to go across a sea. When this starts to operate in our lives and you can't learn it by enrolling on some course or listening to somebody's DVD or reading the book, it's one-on-one counsel with the Holy Ghost. It's one-on-one. And he's going to give you one-on-one tuition. Would you like to read my book? No, I've got one-on-one tuition with the Holy Ghost, thanks. Would you like to come to my Bible school? No, I'm going to his Bible school. That's how it works. And he goes and he meets a man in a cemetery, sets him free. Why? How did he get there? How was that set up? I'll tell you how it was set up. The sovereignty of God. The amazing ability, the, the amazing ability of God to work all things together for good to those that love him. Put that person there and that person there and then they suddenly meet. And he he did the business with that guy, set him free. And the man went through five cities telling everybody about Jesus and seeing mass results. And then he walks past Samaria and he said, I have need to go through Samaria. No Jew ever went through Samaria. They avoided Samaria. But Jesus, feeling the need, being compelled, hearing the ache of a woman that sat by a well that was ostracized by others, went there and he met her. And his disciples went off for something to eat. They missed everything that God was doing. And they said, Jesus, we've been for something to eat. And Jesus said this, my food is to do, to do, not to read, but to do the will of him who sent me. My food. We have to ask ourselves a very simple question. What are we eating? What is satisfying us. What are we feeding upon? Because what we feed upon will determine our direction. It it will determine our growth. It will determine our desires. And when you feed a desire, you empower it. And you feed the God desires. You feed the promised desires. You feed the God's will desires. You will intensify them. And Jesus was a man that continually gave himself to God. And in giving himself to God, the outflow of that was that he met all of these different people. And his needs were met in that he brought God's kingdom and God's blessing. He meets this man, this leper. 
This man falls at his feet. It's an invitation. Jesus, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. Are you willing? A simple invite. A simple invitation into somebody's life that was completely horrid. This man, through no fault of his own, had a disease that completely consumed him, overwhelmed him. He'd lost fingers. He'd lost the sense of feeling. He, his voice was, his vocal cords was overtaken by, by the leprous disease. Luke says he was full of it. He was full of disease. Nobody could do anything for him. Nobody had the answer. He was ostracized. When he went down the street, he had to announce his condition, shouting, unclean, unclean, wherever he went. And the tales of the day would say and suggest that people would throw stones at the lepers. The lepers would have to, you know, cover their faces because of the grotesque sight that they were. And he falls at Jesus' feet. There's nowhere to go. And he said, Lord, Lord. And Jesus, just with one remark, says, I am willing. Be clean. Be clean. And when he, whenever, whenever God says be, it is. You go back to Genesis and he said, let there be, let there be, let there be. Those early creational accounts in Genesis is full of God saying, be, 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 be. And whatever he tells to be is. And Jesus said, be clean. And suddenly the Bible says, immediately, his leprosy left him. Have you ever had an immediately moment with Jesus? An immediately moment. Maybe you need an immediately moment this morning. What is it that's, that's, that's plaguing you? What is it that, that's hanging around in your life that you want to be rid of? What past history is trying to stalk you? What's trying to make you feel or, or belittle you or shame you or, or cause you to you know, act in a way that you shouldn't act? What is it? You can have an immediately moment with Jesus. When he says, be clean. Nothing could stand the power of that command. Amazing. You'll never work it out with your mind. Be clean. And the man is clean. The man is clean. It says immediately the leprosy left. You see, all of those years... Of an overcoming power that that man couldn't have control over. Suddenly bowed in the presence of Jesus. Bowed under the power and the authority of his word. He didn't even shout. He said, be clean. And he was clean. Everything bows to his word. It really does. And God only has good to say over you and I this morning. If you need cleansing from situations... If, if there's habits hanging around that's holding you, that's got a grip on you, that you, that you too share, you, you, you're too scared to share with others. There are things that you, you're hunched over because you're ashamed of. 
listen to the words of his mouth this morning. Be clean in Jesus' name. For his glory. For his glory. The man was clean. And then Jesus sent him back to the synagogue. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Maybe Jesus was presenting some evidence of this spirit anointing that was on his life. The man had to, you know, get an endorsement from the priests. And he got his endorsement as Jesus cleansed him through that anointing that was on his life. And he sent back evidence to the synagogues saying that this is happening before your midst. You might be in there closeted in your little religious cupboard, but I'm out here displaying the works of my father in everything that he's told me to do. I'm the word made flesh. People are beholding my glory, the glory as of the only begotten son of God, full of grace, full of truth. And it's working where I am. It's working in a world. And suddenly you see the ashes of human life, the ashes of a life story being restored to beauty. Only Jesus, only Jesus can do that. Because he is the open door for every broken dream. You may be at a place this morning where your dreams are shattered, where your dreams are broken, where there is no viable way forward or viable way through, and Jesus stands there. He says, come to me. I'll come into your lowest moment. And I'll make it your highest moment. He walks into the lowest moment of this man's life where everybody had left him, where everybody had, had deserted him. And he stands there and he, as, the, as one who will never leave us or forsake us, he stands there and he will not forsake a man who is at his worst, who is at his lowest. Jesus, the only one that will stand with you, stands with a diseased man and reaches out his hand and touches him. He touches the untouchable. He does the unthinkable of that time. And the man is restored. The man is renewed. There is nobody like Jesus, I'm telling you. Nobody like him. Nobody like him. And the man goes. And it's another little part of the story. And he just moves on through to another invitation. But what we're saying is this, through all of this now, and we're going to ask the musicians to come, we're going to close. What I'm saying is this. Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in charge of our diary. Let him be in charge of all of the events and all of the circumstances and situations that come our way. Because in these times and in these days, you're going to find work colleagues coming up to you. And maybe not, you know, every day. Maybe just, it may be once a year. Maybe once a month. It may be every day. But each and every one of us are going to experience this. Just like I experienced it, Alex and Peter experienced it on the road there in Lower Dock Street. Just a man, open sores, open wounds in his soul, pouring out, crying out. 
we were able to offer comfort and help and prayer. Tony, speaking, just spontaneously. You see, he went home, dropped the kids off. He went home thinking, oh, you know, I've driven around Ringland, maybe that's it. But then the need in him, you see, wouldn't allow him just to go home and close the door. It wouldn't allow him. It, it demanded that he go back. It demanded that he get out of his car and just do what he could do. Even if he got laughed at, even if he got scorned, which he didn't, those young people were open. But it demanded. And that demand and that need in you is going to become stronger more overwhelming. And it's not going to be a duty. It's going to be a joy. Jesus said, for the joy, the joy that's been set before me. There was so much joy set before him in meeting people, in taking God's power and God's kingdom and God's blessing and seeing the unusual and, and the the. the the extraordinary. There, there was so much joy in it all, in ministering to people all night. It wasn't a duty. It was a joy. And the joy that was set before him, he even endured the cross for. Because it gave him so much joy. Let's close our eyes one minute. Father, we thank you this morning that you touched the untouchable when you touched that leper, when you made him clean. It was unbelievable that you took an approach towards him and cleansed him. Lord, we think of our lives. When you touched our lives, you touched the untouchable. Lives that had sores just like leprosy, that were putrefying, that stank, that we had no healing or no ability to bring into control. And you touched us and immediately we became clean, just like that man. Now, Father, there's people all around us in our world. Father, we ask you that as they meet us, it would truly be a beautiful experience. Because Lord, everything that you want for us is out there in the world, in meeting people, in seeing people saved, healed, and made whole. And every, every person in this world, you've destined them to meet us so that we can dispense this wonderful grace this wonderful presence of your grace and healing. Father, Holy Spirit, lead us. And we ask that the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the amazing, wonderful, unending, infinite love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the wonderful counselor, the helper, the one that leads us into all truth.
the one who controls us. We are your temple, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would be with us in Jesus' name for your glory, Lord. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Let's give him praise. Let's agree with what he said to us this morning. Nothing but the blood of Jesus takes away the sin of the world. And as we sing it, Lord, we declare it. And as we sing it, Lord, we thank you for this resolve in our heart to go into our world, not to turn our back on it, but to go into it with your anointing and your grace and your word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.